Hello, I'm James Dettelson, and you're either streaming or listening to dadat65.com. That's D-A-D-A-T-65.com, where you can come and register, and uh, you get all the information about the show, future shows. Uh, I get to read the blogs, our video blogs, a lot of information that would just overwhelm you. So you go to dadat65.com, or you can email me with any questions about past shows, future shows. Since we future shows, I don't know what you're going to email me about. It's james at dad at 65.com. Uh, tonight we have a very important show. I know you've heard that before, but it's a very important show because it's a little different. First of all, Aaron, my Aaron, not our guest Aaron, is not going to be with us. Um, we have a contract problem with him. Seems he wants more money. He wants his name in the show like dad at 65 and Aaron. And that was not the contract we agreed upon. I know he's only eight years old, but he did sign off on this deal. So, and I'm going to hold him to it. So we're negotiating. I'm sure he'll be back for the next show because um, he wants to get his Roblox because that's his payment for the show. So uh, we'll talk. We'll talk. So tonight's guest is going to be Aaron Bodansky. Now, Aaron is a psychotherapist. Um, a psychologist and a founder of Thera Inc. Thera Inc. is, uh, well, she's going to tell you more about it, but we're going to be talking about COVID and COVID, not just getting COVID, COVID, how it's treated. I have experience with the COVID, which I, we're going to talk a little about. But before I do that, I got a lot of emails about the uh, last blog that I wrote about. This is my opinion. Um, I believe you're supposed to have a mask. I believe you're supposed to be vaccinated. Um, there's advantages of having a uh, mask and non-advantages. Well, the first advantage I always find um, wearing a mask is uh, if I wear the mask, I don't have to shave because nobody sees the bushy beard, number one. Number two, I don't have to brush my teeth. Who's going to smell it? Because I got the mask. And uh, let's see, third, you know, if you're not happy and you're not smiling, nobody knows. So somebody tells a joke. And you don't smile. They go, well, you don't think it was funny? Well, you don't know. You got the mask on. I mean, there's other advantages, too. The disadvantage is uh, getting COVID, which could be a problem. Um, from firsthand experience, uh, about a year ago, I contracted the COVID. I was a masker. But, you know, I was a little wishy-washy about the mask. Unfortunately, uh, I got the disease. I was uh, rushed to the hospital in an ambulance. Um, which is very interesting because that was uh, eight months ago. I just got the bill from the ambulance. So uh, reminds me, uh, wear that mask. And uh, when I got to the hospital, they knew immediately it was COVID. You know, they gave me the test and I went, oh no, COVID. I'm going to be in the hallways because I heard all the hospitals are just so crowded with people. Um, so I know there's going to be a problem. I thought maybe they just put me in the uh, the uh, waiting room or put me, I want to be in the gift shop because, you know, then you can take all the magazines and read, which is pretty cool. Um, but uh, they put me out um, or I fell asleep and I woke up in a private room. I went, wow, I'm in a private room. This is pretty cool. Wait a minute. I must be really sick. And I was. I spent a few weeks in the, a uh, couple weeks in the, uh, the hospital, um, you know, with uh, nurses coming in wearing all that gear because uh, uh, I wouldn't even know who they were because you, you couldn't recognize them. And when the doctor came in, he had he had this like a space suit on, scared the heck out of me. 
I said, don't come in at night while I'm sleeping. I'm going to have nightmares. And, uh, you know, I went through the treatment. They tried to give me a therapy, tried to get me out of the bed, which I couldn't do because of my oxygen level. And I kept having the oxygen and uh, it was a nightmare for me being at night. You know, I call Aaron every night on my, um, the iPhone, you know, uh, FaceTime. And he'd be crying, Daddy, please come home. And I said, sweetheart, I'm going to come home as soon as I can. And he's telling me how much he missed me. And it was just so much in my heart, how much I just wanted to go home and be with my family. Um, the other problem with the hospital was the food was awful. So I decided I'm not eating this food. I had food delivered. Now, I don't know if that's the rule, you can do it or not, but every day I had delivery of food. I had so much food in my room, I could open up a concession stand. I mean, I had soda, I had bagels, I had locks, I had, I mean, just piles and piles of cookies. I'm probably the only COVID patient who left the hospital who gained weight. Um, the bad part also, I gave the uh, disease to uh, Aaron. Luckily, at a young age, you know, he was seven at the time. Um, he got through it all right. I mean, little side effects, but... Uh, Thank God he is okay. Um, but, you know, I, I forgot uh, my original subject was <laughs> the mask or not mask, was the, uh, which I'm going to have to go back to. I get so confused. When Aaron's not here, it's like, I don't know. I'm confused. You know, he keeps me straight. Yeah, right. Until you talk to his attorney. More money. Uh, he wants, what, 1,200 Roblox? It's not going to happen. The deal was 400. Well, I'm done. I'm getting off the subject now. Um, it reminds me of uh, in the 50s, which I grew up, but we had a disease called polio. And it was not like COVID, but it was very serious. You know, children were getting very, very ill. Uh, I remember the pool that we used to swim in was closed because you didn't want to go to the pool because of the co because of the, because of the polio. You don't want to catch polio. And then it came out with a vaccine. And everybody got the vaccine. There was no ifs and buts. You got a vaccine. The parents just lined us all up because they cared about their children. I'm not saying people don't care about their children today, but don't you want to protect your family, even yourself, by having a shot? Actually, a couple of years later, polio, the polio vaccine came out with it. Was, it was a, uh, uh, what was that? There? It was like a sugar cube. You know, you, you swallowed it. Um, but uh, so now we go back to the to, to present day. It's like a time machine, a time warp. We're going back and forth. And uh, I said, and uh, again, I get a lot of emails about that. They say, oh, you rub your nose. Well, I'm not picking it. I'm rubbing my nose, if you can't see, because uh, I have allergies. Um, so anyways, after I got out of the hospital, I was on oxygen for about, I don't know, three, four months. and. I developed a long holdage disease. And that's another thing we're going to talk to Aaron about. It's not just the disease, it happens after the disease. I mean, it took me about six months before I could read a book and focus. Uh, I couldn't watch television because I couldn't follow the shows. You know, I, I would put a show on and I go, I, I don't understand what's going on. Um, I was able to walk with a walker probably about three weeks after being home. But I think what really helped me was I started doing... Um, meditation and yoga, which I never did before. 
you know, breathing exercises. And I think that's what helped me. Though I couldn't walk, I would take the walker and I get onto the floor where I felt more comfortable and I would breathe yoga, breathing in and out, breathing in and out. And I think that is one of the things that really helped me immensely in um, getting my health back. Uh, however, the long hauler stays with you. I think it's been about eight months and I think I'm getting a lot better. I'm starting to exercise. I'm walking a mile every day. Um, I'm using like five pound weights. I don't think I'll ever go back to the weights that I used to use. Not that I was doing heavy weights, but uh, I liked going to the gym. Um, but I, I'm feeling a lot better. And um, we're going to go. Is that Aaron? You know, it's just the part of the show where he always comes in, you know, and uh, but he's not coming in. We're back and I'm with uh, our guest today, a very special guest today, Aaron Bodansky. And did I pronounce that right? You sure did. Yes. You OK, because, you know, I've been practicing. Uh, Aaron is an MA licensed marriage and family therapist, psychotherapist and CEO and founder of Thera. Inc. Correct so far? Yes. Yes. I'm doing good. Right. A little, little background on Aaron, how we met. Um, Aaron and I were in uh, Berkeley about three weeks ago doing some promos for the show. And we just happened to meet. We started talking and uh, what she was telling me about what she was doing is just fascinating. And we talked a little about um, the problem with the COVID-19 with children and which is very it's a good subject for me because, you know, I was a uh, COVID survivor and Aaron also had uh, my Aaron. I don't want to confuse the Aaron's. I uh, was also COVID. So, Aaron, tell us about yourself. Well, James, I just want to say thank you so much for inviting me on your show. Um, when I learned about dad at 65 as a clinician, it just really resonated with me because one of the things that I'm hyper focused on right now is how COVID has impacted families and my passion right is working with children that have been impacted by covid especially in their their natural development both um just their normal development you know going through school but also psychologically how much that's impacted and affected um treatment and so i've um i Sarah is a, a an early stage startup, and we're pretty small. It's just myself and my VR developer. But I invented the patents um, about four years ago, and the whole concept behind Thera is to see your doctor in a new way. And so, if you think of, we are using telemedicine right now because of the contagion. Well, telemedicine has been around for many, many years. It just wasn't adopted as quickly, um, but now it's it's exploded. But what I'm doing with my technology is I'm actually streaming telemedicine through virtual reality. And what that means is that instead of actually seeing your doctor on a 2D experience, you're actually putting on a headset and going into um, what's called six degrees of freedom, and you're going into another world, and you're actually embodying a second self. So well, the, the actual product this? is... Is there an age limit? Um, you can't do it when you're 9, 10, 11, 12, 15. Is it for all uh, ages? 
That's a good question. And it really comes down to the type of hardware that you're using. So there's different headsets on the market and each headset is actually appropriate for certain um, age um, populations. So for example, the Oculus Quest is what we use for young adults. Um, you can use the Oculus Quest for um, a child as young as nine, but any, any under the age of nine, um, Oculus is not appropriate. However, in the hospitals, they do use Pico Technologies, which is a different headset. What, and, what's Pico um, Technology? We are, I'm going to interrupt. Pico Technology? What, Pico, what is that? If Pico is a different headset, and okay. it's, it's unique because um, the ergonomics of the headset, the battery is actually at the back of the head. So for a child, you don't have this big weight um, on your prefrontal cortex, which is, you know, it's it's burning some for the child. But the different headsets that are for children, um, the ergonomics of the the hardware is the batteries at the back of the head. It allows to the child to be more stable. And um, and we've we, I've been researching VR and medicine for years. And one of the things that I really focus on is patient safety, because when you're using um, a headset. It's um, there's risks and limitations involved. So when we when we're um, when we're using Thera VR, um, it's it has to be delivered by a licensed professional. So I um, part of part of the whole program is that I train and I educate the doctors and the clinicians on how to use the headsets, but also to train and educate the safety protocols for the patient. And it's strictly only being used for psychotherapy. So where there is not being used for um, pain rehabilitation or you know physical rehab or anything like this, it's purely for psych services. And so we deliver a cognitive behavioral therapy DBT, mindfulness-based stress reduction. Um, I'm actually starting to write programs for eating disorders because um, that's a really big problem right now in the United States is children are being admitted like at, and I mean, it's actually atrocious right now, the amount of eating disorder cases in the ER rooms for children. And a lot of that, James, is due to the impact that COVID has put on children right now. And it's, it's quite serious. So one of the things that I advocate is through, not just through my technology, but as, as a clinician too, is about prevention, right? Like how, how can we get parents to be aware that, you know, things are happening with their child, but they're not saying anything. And that's where psychotherapy is important is if your child is struggling with mental illness or even just major depression and anxiety, getting them into treatment is really crucial more than ever. And to um, combine that with with good parenting, right? Teaching mm -hmm. and educating parents to recognize those symptoms of mental illness. Because one of the most important things to remember now is that the contagion has really disrupted our lifestyles, how we communicate, how we bond with people, how we socialize, um, just even people have stopped making an analog phone calls to their loved ones. It's really made um, an impact on children. What What is it that makes them feel safe? So going back to the benefits of therapy and 
what my technology is doing is it's a little different. It's like, hey, instead of putting your kid in front of a 2D screen and like a, a regular telepsych experience, we're actually putting them in a world and there's seven different scenes, like different environments. And we're putting them in a, a world where they're not like sitting in a chair, like staring at a, a 2D experience. They're actually like in, in a space. And I call them safe spaces where they actually can feel that they can express themselves. And they're moving their bodies. And that's called, clinically, that's called behavioral activation, meaning that you're combining the cognitive experience, the neurological experience, but you're also combining a physical experience. And evidence-based treatment shows that if you move your body, like just exercising or stretching, or you know, ten, I do what's called progressive muscle relaxation, where you tense your muscles and then relax. It's a heal. It's it's part of healing. It's a part of that mind-body connection. Is, is, which is, I'm sorry. Is that like isometrics when you with the with the, with the hands, the pressure, then you relax? Is it is an isometric type of exercise. Um, it's similar to this. It's mostly focused on working with someone who is carrying a lot of anxiety. So if you think of a child that's been traumatized. And they have their they have difficulty um, getting in touch with their body. They have panic attacks, um, emotional irregulation. Getting them to practice a lot of mind body um, exercises helps um, re reduce their anxiety. It puts them in a sense of calm and serenity, and that's um, that's part of the behavioral activation is getting them to release that energy and works in avatar technology and what i mean by that is like when you put on this headset this is an oculus quest mm -hmm. when you put this on the first thing that you see is you look down and you have a second bot and then your mind actually wow. believes that you have this the so thing think, think of a child that's like severely depressed like they haven't left the couch couch they've been gaming 16 hours a day they, they have they haven't even gone for a walk think of like how damaging that is to their development kids are supposed to be out playing basketball and riding their bikes and going out and playing with their friends getting them to experience a new way to see their doctor or practice with their therapist like okay well, well let's get back to our bodies let's go back to you know what it what it's like to go go for a hike or and that the same time the experience from the patient is to allow them to like talk about their day um so i've been i've been actually using this on my own case caseload um with children and um what was remarkable about it and this is an example is i was working with a 10 year old and she'd been homeschooled um for like 15 months so she was spending six to eight hours on zoom and um when I started seeing her, I was just seeing her through traditional telemedicine, right? So just a, a tablet mm -hmm. and she was unfocused, you know, she, you know, she was moving around all the time. And actually it was, it was almost to the point where I would observe her to be so anxious, just using the tablet that, you know, I went back to her parents and I said, well, here, I'm going to give you, uh, I'm going to give you a loner headset and let's try this. Let, let's try getting her treatment in VR. 
in, as, as telehealth, right? And so she started it and she picked it up like so fast, right? Like it's a very simple process. I give her like a password and she puts it into, um, there's like two fields that you put in a password that makes compliant. And she picked it up so quickly. And as soon as she started using it, she was actually um, more comfortable talking in, in VR. And she started actually sharing more about her trauma. And at the same time, and this was what was clinically fascinating to me, is all of her trauma symptoms actually went away. So this little girl wow. had... She had she had night terrors. She had a condition what's called encopresis, which is um, a soiling yourself. And she she met all the classic criteria for PTSD. And after I, I think I saw her for about three months using using the VR therapy, and her parents came back to me and they said she's not having nightmares anymore. She's not soiling herself. And I did notice that as I put her through a series of exercises in, um, um, there's, there's two scenes that are really clinically appropriate for children. There's a forest scene and a desert scene. And in the, in the forest scene, um, I, I helped her deter from her negative thought process, which, um, a lot of it was due to the social anxiety at school and being removed from her friends. And so in, in the forest scene, I'm, I'm able to do a lot more visual um, cognitive behavioral therapy where she's able to project her ne negative thoughts onto leaves falling off a tree and watching those leaves float down a stream. And then um, the second process in cognitive behavioral therapy is to replace that negative thought and to practice it over and over again. But it was a fantastic experience because I could really see the benefit of how this, this, it's gotta be um, sad. It's so satisfying, but it's got to take a big emotional toll on you dealing with children like this. Well, I, I mean, that's part of the job, right? Like us doctors and clinicians, we have, you know, we took an oath to do no harm, right? So we have to develop our own ways to cope with it. But I mean, I've been doing this for years and even prior to being a therapist, I was, you know, I, I've worked in really harsh conditions. Um, I wasn't, you know, I worked on the ships when I was really young. So I'm used to seeing a lot of trauma, but the type of trauma that we're seeing now with children, I have to say, honestly, if we don't proactively address this, we're going to see a new strain of depression and anxiety and mental illness in young people that we have not, we are not prepared for. And I'll tell you why, is it's not just the combination of the contagion, but kids that have actually gotten COVID, like early, like the early COVID um, 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 patients, like for young people, and they've gotten the antibodies and they're coming out of it and they're going back to school, we, we are noticing a condition called long COVID. And long COVID is, is that quite the long, serious. Is the long haul? It's the long COVID, um, which we I've seen this in a lot of young people that have come through um, my private practice. They have really severe depression, but there's al there's al almost a patina of psychosis that is a, is a associated with it. 
And a lot of it is due to what's called biopsychosocial measures being away from that normal development of, you know, being in school, being with your peers, um, being isolated. And it's really dangerous. So um, I believe that, you know, changing and disrupting how we deliver, you know, psychotherapy now, we really need to try and change or at least um, adopt new ways to to talk to patients. And um, just for myself right now, I see that um, having the avatar technology, but also just the convenience of having this in the home and using it as a telecommunications tool is really profound. I mean, that that's what I believe is VR is actually going to be a new modifier. Like that is actually going to be a new telecommunications tool but the benefit is that you have this full mind-body experience instead of just sitting in front of a, a 2D, um, you know, a 2D screen. And it's a benefit for psychotherapy because when we are working with you, it's a little different than general medicine, right? We're we're with you longer, so like when you're having therapy, there's a lot of stuff going on, and it's not it's not just. Um, uh, you know, here, here's a pill, this, you know, put a bandaid on you. It doesn't work like that. Well, Aaron, it takes a long time. I'm going to have to wrap this up because our time we've got to go, unfortunately, but we'd love to have you back, but tell me the, we're going to put down, uh, the, your website. So people, if they want to contact you, which they should, in my opinion, um, what's the website? Uh, vr.io mm-hmm. and we're we're really small like we're like i said we're early stage and so we're actually we're, we're fundraising we're looking to build our team um i'm based in oakland california but we also have team members in new york city um we have um a big interest in in texas but we're trying to we're trying to get there to the pediatric hospitals because that's the biggest need right now because um, a lot of these kids that are going through the ER and they're being discharged, they're not responding to regular telepsych services um, on on tablets. And so that's that's our goal is to get into the pediatric space. Um, we're we're fundraising. We're looking for um, qualified investors to help help us scale. And then our our initial mission is to get this into the homes of families. And to help support what's called home hospitalization, where we can at least be um, supporting other telemedicine tools in the home as an adjunct and to help support parents. Because really, at the end of the day, it's the parents that are suffering, too, because they can't cope. So any that's that's our entire mission is to, 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 to support health healing, prevention, patient safety. And, and to look at this as like this is a dire time for children. And we need to adopt these new innovations to get people to to feel safer and heard. Everyone needs the sounding board, right? And it's like, if you have that there and it's accessible to telemedicine, that's the most important thing for a child. And uh, I want to thank you, Aaron, for being a guest on the show. Uh, Tonight's show was a very important show, an important subject. And like I said earlier, I would love to have you back on the show so we could talk about this further. To my audience, please watch the show second. Please stay safe. Good night.